Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Fire last night. It, it was fun. I went with a couple of buddies. Wasn't working the game. Was just uh, had a chance to go. Was hanging out and enjoyed it with Gamecock Nation. Met a couple of Gamecock Central subscribers actually on the shuttle over. Uh, it, it was a good time, man. Um, just huge shout out to Gamecock Nation. Y'all, y'all made a true home court advantage. And that, that's that's the the best atmosphere I've seen in that arena for a men's basketball game in quite some time. I'm just sitting at home watching this game, and when it comes on at 7 o'clock, just the energy you could feel watching it on TV, it felt like something special was about to happen. And I hear a lot of people talk about you know the Tennessee game a couple years ago for football, where it just seemed like the energy was different at Williams-Rice Stadium that that night en route to what was an amazing victory that we're going to be talking about for a long time. Kind of a similar thing last night. You just felt like something special was going to happen, and South Carolina thoroughly dominated Kentucky after that. Yeah, and you you obviously have to go execute as well, but the the guys are feeding off the crowd, man. And I I think this team, while they have not quite experienced the type of success uh, in the past as a team that we saw last night and we've seen this year so far, they do have enough veteran guys that I feel like they know how to sort of channel that energy and channel that sort of little extra that you get in a stadium like that or in an arena like that without letting it get you too hyped up. Because there's such thing as sort of buying into the moment a little too much and then you, you just don't play within yourself or don't play within the scheme. And, uh, you know, I, I did not think that South Carolina let the moment get the better of them. Like, they, they were up to the challenge. They fed off the energy just the right amount. And the crowd, 
you know, stayed in the game too. Like they they fed off the players as well. I, I thought Lamont Paris had a great point. It was like every time it felt like Kentucky might make a little run, which they didn't really they had a ever. Few small ones here. It was there, like but many nothing, runs, nothing right? Big, right. Every time it felt like they would make a run, South Carolina would have just something small but good happen. And the crowd would be like right back in it, and uh, I, I thought the the whole blackout played well too. Like it, it looked good. It uh, you know there was there's always a lot of blue when Kentucky plays. There was not as much blue there, honestly, as I'm used to seeing at all. Because generally, you know th- those guys travel. I was I was out on Monday night in the Vista. There's already Kentucky fans sitting at the bar, <laughs> hanging out. I'm like, do you guys work? Like, what? You're traveling for a mid-season SEC game. No, that is their job. They're traveling, <laughs> traveling, traveling Kentucky fans. They go everywhere. On a Monday night in Columbia, getting ready for a Tuesday <laughs> mid-year showdown. I, I don't know. I mean, it, you should come to expect it, but still. Yeah. But yeah, man, that was it. And every time the Kentucky fans got their little Go Big Blue chant going, South Carolina kind of shut it down, I felt like. But it was just their night. It was South Carolina's night. You've got to take advantage, though, when you have those chances for special nights like that, and South Carolina absolutely did. I think they mentioned this on the broadcast, but y'all be honest. If I would have told you, you know, the game's game's over. We're in here. Let's say none of us watched the game. We don't know what happened. We're just having to go off the box score, and I told you, you know, Michi Johnson scored 14 points and B.J. Mack scored 8. B.J. Mack was 3 of 12 shooting, had 8 points. Michi Johnson had 14. Are you, Would you say South Carolina won or lost the game? Probably lean towards loss. I, I, I would say they 100% lost. I would say, uh, yes, I, there's like no doubt in my mind. But it just illustrates like I'm going through, I'm going through the box score. I'm going through what I saw from the game, and it's hard to pick out like the best part. It was just a complete team performance like everybody that played contributed in some form or fashion where you know yeah Mac only had the eight points but he had a couple threes right you look at the the three-point shooting throughout shot 46 percent from three a team like this that plays the type of defense that they do that is capable of sharing the ball taking good shots if they're making those shots they are hard to beat and and I don't mean hard for Kentucky to beat or hard for, like, anybody, frankly. Right. Um, now, yes, this team is built a lot on shooting, but, like, you just compare last season's team to this season's team, you, you can generalize it in basketball and say, well, if a team makes their shots, you know, they have a good shot at winning. But this team is is kind of uniquely built to where that's how they're going to play. And if those shots are falling, they're going to have a real – they are going to be hard to beat. They're going to have a really good chance every time they're out there. I, I thought coming in, it was going to have to be a Michi Johnson go-off game, mm-hmm. which you can kind of tell early on when he's got that glean in his eye. And, um, you know, it's like, okay, this is going to be one of those days where Michi just takes over. It ended up being the Talon Cooper go-off game. He was oh, as good as I have ever seen him. So good. Was efficient, scored, shared the basketball, had six rebounds as well. I mean, the, the balance on this team was evident last night. But if you wanted to say – who was the superstar of the game for South Carolina? To me, it was Talon Cooper. Like, he was the difference maker. But then you chip in. So, yeah, B.J. Mack didn't have a huge scoring night. Colin Murray-Boyles didn't have a huge scoring night. But you get nine boards from Murray-Boyles, 
plus five assists, two steals, and three blocks from the freshman. B.J. Mack, he had seven rebounds. Again, Talon had six rebounds. Josh Gray had six rebounds. So you, you kind of had a, a lot of guys spreading the, the dirty work around. And um, off the bench, I, I thought other than Talon just going off, the difference maker in this game was Josh Gray off the bench mm-hmm. with six rebounds and nine points and just an attitude down low that we haven't always seen from him. And especially in the first half, guys, Jacoby Wright, I look up, Jacoby Wright has nine points right off the bat, finished with 14. And I thought was really South Carolina's best scoring threat early in this game. And then as it went on, you know, me, I thought Michi actually did a good job of picking his spots as well and had some really nice sort of moves off the dribble where he's kind of making things happen. Overall, though, South Carolina sharing the basketball, making good decisions, and just putting themselves in a a good position to get shots. Well, we knew the biggest key, one of the biggest keys coming into this game was South Carolina slowing the tempo down. Kentucky's one of the teams that likes to race up and down the court. There's a reason they score around 91 points per game coming in. They play a fast brand of basketball, shoot three really effectively. South Carolina was going to have to bring them into the mud, bring them into the rock fight a little bit to, um, you know, have a shot at winning this game. And that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, you had the eight-point lead at halftime and say, okay, feeling pretty good about that. It wasn't the cleanest first half for South Carolina. If you can come out and continue to play at this pace, continue to play at this tempo, and force Kentucky to play uncomfortable basketball you can win this game that's exactly what they did Kentucky seven assists South Carolina 20 as a team and and that kind of just goes to show you the style how they played uh John Calipari mentioned after the game you know Lamont has them playing the style that he wants them to play and so I mentioned a complete team effort a lot of that was shooting a lot of that was defense but sharing the basketball like you said Tyler was something that South Carolina did extremely well in this game. That They made some really nice one-on-one plays, like Cooper had several of those, but he was also able to share the basketball. They knocked down some outside shots. And then, guys, it's not like they went to the line a ton, 14 times, but they made 10 of those. Yep. And so, really, everything was clicking, whether it was you know being able to share the ball, shooting from outside, shooting from the free-throw line, and their defense, it was all it was all – just locked in, and they, they frankly, they made things really, really tough on a very talented Kentucky team. And now this brings Lamont Paris to 2-0 and versus Kentucky in his time as South Carolina's head coach, but there's such a big difference between that game a season ago and this one where, hey, you won that game on the road at Rupp, that's great, it's a three-point victory, Michi Johnson played out of his mind, but I think we all knew, even when that game happened, that South Carolina was still going to have a rough season in the SEC. That was very on, early on in SEC, please, second or third game at that point in time. This game last night, I think, just kind of confirms what we've thought for a while and what maybe the national perspective wasn't paying attention to, that South Carolina's legit, and they have the opportunity to go toe-to-toe with really just about anyone if they can play like they did last night. Well, to, to put it into terms like we do with recruiting, you always have a floor and a ceiling that you're trying to project for a player. Uh, I think we had seen that this team's floor – was a good bit higher than we thought it might be coming into the season and certainly way higher than kind of the national and SEC media thought. So, we, you know, they proved, hey, it's a pretty good basketball team. Like, they're, they're not going to finish last in the SEC as they were predicted to, to do. Sure. However, I, I think what last night kind of showed us is that the ceiling, like the upside, the potential of this team when they are playing like they did last night – is a good bit greater than what we thought it could be. And so, 
you know, I, I, I think you look at it. I honestly, to be just completely honest, the whole time we're watching, I'm like, man, this is an improved basketball team. But are they truly a tournament team or not? And now you sit there 16-3, and 4-2 and two in SEC play with um, a, a big road win over Arkansas this week. Even though they've struggled, that's, you, you, never, you never apologize for road conference wins. And now you beat Kentucky. The, the next test is obviously anybody who's a Gamecock fan knows how this works. Next test, don't let up with Missouri coming to town this weekend. But if you can do that, you're sitting there 5-2, and 17-3 overall, and you've built a nice runway and a nice resume starting to get into, you know, close to getting into the second half of SEC play. And, um, you know, chance for a very, very special season, which, uh, by the way, guys, we have a special guest coming up next as well. And I know we we'll probably want to give that a little bit of extra runway yeah, if possible. Absolutely. Alyssa Lang from the SEC Network. She was in the building last night. Going to be joining us up next right here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach, the 107.5 The Game app and streaming on the Game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you as we continue to react to South Carolina's 79-62 victory over Kentucky last night out at Colonial Life Arena. She was there to see it working for the SEC Network, a former South Carolina and Gamecock Central alumni herself, Alyssa Lang, now joining us on the Love Chevrolet phone lines. Alyssa, I guess the first question I have to ask, do you think last night was enough to end this vendetta that uh, Gamecock fans have against you, your bad luck for big games for uh, Gamecock sports? I certainly hope so at this point. it's uh, It's been a tough last calendar year for me with uh, with our fan base at times. You know, I know it's mostly in, uh, in jest, but I have gotten some tough football game matchups handed to me, which uh, I will say, we don't pick where we go. We get sent by our bosses to the games <laughs> that we go to, and unfortunately, things didn't go very well for the games that I was on the sidelines for, for the football team this season. So it kind of feels like hopefully now this curse has been lifted. I, I'm not going to say, I think there was a curse to begin with. Like I have been on the sidelines for South Carolina wins. It just had been a little while. So hopefully this one uh, wipes the slate clean for me with those, those fans who uh, weren't wanting me in Columbia much these days. <laughs> hey, Alyssa, it's Wes. Appreciate you doing this. J- just for the record, real quick, will you just confirm to the people that I did text you and call this exactly what happened, exactly the way it happened? Yeah, I mean, you did. And it's funny because you texted me, what, a couple, two, two, three hours before the yep. game tipped off. And you were not the only one who hit me, whether it was other Gamecock fans or other people at ESPN or the SEC network, just to be like, this team's not, this team's not losing. This team's not losing tonight. And it's funny because I know a lot of people don't believe us when we say this, but as a broadcaster going into a game like this and, being in the SEC and having relationships with all the teams and all the coaches, like I really don't go into games with a ton of emotion. It's kind of like checking into a different personality, if you will, sort of how athletes describe like their version of themselves on the field versus off of the field is sort of how I approach it. So it wasn't until after the game was over and we were off the broadcast and we had signed off for the night that I was like, Oh my gosh, they actually did it. Like that was crazy. 
to be there to witness. But yes, Wes, you 100% called it around four o'clock yesterday. I can vouch for that. Yeah, it, it was partially in jest. Like I, I just, but I mean, you've you've obviously been in this town as as a student, as a media member, and and then obviously covering you know with the SEC network. And sometimes you just get that feeling here where like the whole community has put their mind into something and it kind of felt like that going into the game that like all of Columbia is going to pack into CLA. Uh, what was it like, Alyssa, just kind of being courtside just from, from tip off all the way to the end with the, the court storming? Um, how, how did this atmosphere, I know you've been in some great atmospheres uh, around the country, but how did this one kind of compare to some of the ones you've seen at South Carolina before? It was awesome. And, you know, it's funny talking to some folks back in our Charlotte studios and just, you know, in the business and the aftermath of it this morning, they were like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that they were going to storm the court. And I said, gosh, I woke up yesterday morning with the thought of, if, oh, if South Carolina beats Kentucky tonight, they're 100% going to be on the court. Like, so you talk about kind of knowing that community and this fan base and what this would have meant to them. I mean, it was awesome to be part of it. And I will say, you know, you really started to get the idea of how big that night was going to be at South Carolina shoot-around yesterday afternoon. And it was the first time that I've gotten to do a South Carolina game with Lamont Paris and with this group of guys. So it was really my first experience talking to all of them. And I will say, I hope Michi Johnson has a very, very long basketball career, but whenever he's done with it, I hope we see that man on television because what an unbelievable human being to just sit down and have a conversation with to talk about basketball and to watch the way he went through that shoot around yesterday afternoon. I mean, a handful of times just in the middle of drills yelling out to his teammates tonight is the type of night that we live for. This is what we've been working for. Soak it all in. And I was wondering in that moment, and I talked to Michi about it, you know, how do you balance knowing that it's a sold-out crowd, it's a blackout, they've got the towels all over the chairs, it's a top-10 team, you've got a target on your back from what you did to this Kentucky team a season ago? How do you balance that with the adrenaline of like not getting too tight and not getting overly uh, emotional before this thing even starts? And they did such a great job of feeding off the crowd. The, the noise in the arena was just unbelievable the students who were around me were loud the entire time and it was truly a a great example of if you build it they will come and Gamecock fans showed up and showed out last night I saw some tweets floating around about the sellout and oh well they're not there to see South Carolina anyone knows if you spent two seconds in Columbia that they were 100% there to see South Carolina and I will say my favorite part To go back to your just original question about the court storming, my favorite part I think about last night, and I hope I don't get her in trouble for saying this. I think she'll be fine, though. Yeah. Uh, It was about a minute left, and I was going around the lower bowl to try to make sure I was right behind Coach Paris for when they stormed the court so that I could get that interview and not, you know, be searching for him in the sea of fans. So one of the kind of rows of people that I had to climb over to get back there was Aaliyah Boston and Don Staley. And Don was standing up, waving her towel, like in that final 60 seconds, turning around and anyone around her in her section, she was going, Gamecocks, you know what to do. Meet at half court in 60 seconds. And she's like rallying the fans to storm the court. And I, 
I hit our control room and I said, if we have a camera to spare, please put one on Don Staley because he's sitting here telling everyone, we're rushing the court, baby. It was like she was a mega fan in that moment. It was awesome. And I think last night just encapsulates what Gamecock Nation is all about and what this team is capable of moving forward. Alyssa, Chris here. Uh, Good to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. Speaking of tweets, so I saw one from you. You had several last night kind of recapping the game and your experience. But one that you said was, hey, there's something special brewing in Columbia, South Carolina. And I think you just laid out some of what you saw pregame, you know, what you observed on the court with Michi Johnson, obviously the atmosphere. But is there anything else that you can point to from that game that kind of just led you to to believe what you said there? Like, Why did you say that as far as why there's something special brewing in Columbia under Lamont Paris? I think the biggest takeaway from just Lamont spent probably 45 minutes chatting with us during shoot around yesterday before the game. And the biggest takeaway that I had was the ear to ear smile that Lamont Paris had when he talked about the culture that this program already has. Last year, obviously, they underachieved, but this wasn't necessarily a Lamont Paris team and players that fit a Lamont Paris system. He is not a guy who's going to get angry at you for taking 20 shots and going 0 for 20, but he is going to get angry at you if your defense isn't what it needs to be, if your effort isn't what it needs to be. And these guys are so bought into that. The way he talks about how unselfish the players are on his team, I mean, what, 20 assists last night? I mean, that's proof right there that, You're not just looking for a good shot. You're making that extra pass to get a great shot. And that's what this team did last night to win that game or or part of it. Listening listening to him talk about the place that the culture is in in year two and how important that was to him to build this program moving forward and that he is happy as ever that they're in this place right now. On top of that, with a ton of talented players and more on the horizon – is what tells me that something special is brewing. I don't know what the ceiling is this year. This should certainly be a ranked team, I would think, by next week, certainly if they can take care of Missouri this weekend. They believe that. They play with the chip on their shoulder, but they play so unselfishly, and the brotherhood that this team clearly has, just from watching them in an hour-and-a-half shoot-around and, of course, that game last night, There's something intangible about that, and that can be hard to manufacture in today's day and age of the transfer portal and players moving around constantly. And that's not to say that, obviously, Lamont has built part of this team on the transfer portal, but finding those pieces and understanding that they are going to fit in the culture that you have built, I think, goes such a long way. And and that was part of the conversation I had with Michi yesterday. You know, like I said, I hadn't gotten to talk to him before, and One of the things we kind of chatted about was why he decided to come back. You know, he went through the combine process, but ultimately decided that there were things that he could get better at. He trusted Lamont Paris to help him get better at some of those things, specifically defensively. And he talked about the process. He talked about ever since the beginning of their relationship. Coach Paris has always said, you're my guy. You're my ride or die. We're going to do this together. We're going to trust the process, and we're going to do something special here. Michi believes it. The team believes it, and last night is such an exclamation point for what Lamont Paris has been preaching to these kids and what these kids have been showing this fan base as far as, hey, you keep chopping wood, 
it's going to happen. And last night it happened in a big way. Again, talking to Alyssa Lang from the SEC Network. Last one here before we let you go. Get right at about two minutes. I appreciate you asking Lamont Paris about the quarter zip last night in your uh, post-game, <laughs> uh, post-game interview with him. Do you think there's anybody out there that still doubts the power of the quarter zip at this point in time? <laughs> There shouldn't be, right? And it's funny, that was one of the things I asked Coach yesterday pregame. I was like, you know, what? how much thought now do you have to put into the whole quarter zip situation? He said, you know, it, in a way, it's, it's kind of, you know, become like a thing because when I started with the quarter zip, it was just an easy, I can throw it on, it matches everything. I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. You know, I don't have to put the suit together. And he's like, now I actually have to put thought into it because I'm sitting here going, have we lost the game in this quarter zip? Do I wear an undefeated one? Do I wear a new one? So it's, uh, it's become a little bit of a point of stress for him. But last night, as he reminded everyone, that was an undefeated quarter zip. So I have a feeling he's going to bust that one out at some point again. <laughs> well, we're certainly having a good time keeping a tally of what each one's record has. Again, Alyssa Lang from the SC Network, certainly appreciate you taking a little bit of your time, and hopefully you're in Colonial Life Arena for some more great moments this season. I hope so. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Again, I Thanks, love, Alyssa. Appreciate Alyssa you. Alyssa Lang from the SEC Network. We'll have more. Here's some national perspective on the Gamecocks as well as some thoughts from Coach Calipari after last night's game coming up. It's Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Have some more keywords to give away for our big game Vegas weekend coming up a little bit later as well. Keep it locked right here on the game for that here on 107.5 The Game in Columbia, Florence, Myrtle Beach. Certain kind of team. Um, and he's getting them to play the way they have to play. They're the best defensive team in our league. And that's saying something, because this is a team of about 10 teams that their, their whole thing is we're going to be a great defensive team and that can score. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler Head at Westminster. Chris Clark along with you on this Wednesday morning. That was Coach Calipari last night. Lofting, he loft a lot of praise at South Carolina. Uh, Coach Paris, you know, the way that they controlled the tempo in the game. And, and right there, just talking about the defense overall, which, again, statistically is the best defense in the SEC. And last night, you know, imposed its will on what was the best offense in the SEC coming into the game. So, guys, when Lamont Paris was hired, my, I, I guess, wrong impression was that this is a guy who's going to be very much about offense and it was going to be about shooting the three-point ball and sort of uh, spreading the floor and it was going to be offense 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 and you know he very much is also as we've seen uh, about defense and so you know obviously there is a Wisconsin approach to kind of how they want to move the ball around and, and even having your big men be able to shoot and kind of I would say put teams in difficult situations for their defenses, but what we've seen this year is that defense for South Carolina is very much a, a big priority and is important, and I wouldn't have thought going from Frank Martin, who is, I mean, say whatever you want about the ups, downs, and the in-betweens, that man could coach defense. Right. And if you were not going to play defense the way he wanted, you were not going to play. Well, with Lamont Paris, we we see a very sort of uh, – he, he lets his guys play on offense. And he, uh, as Alyssa said, you know, he if, if you miss 10 shots, he's not going to be upset with you. He wants you to keep shooting the ball with confidence. But the one requirement for him appears to be, hey, guys, I'm going to let y'all have fun and shoot the basketball and have some free will on offense, but you got to go play defense for me and you've got to have – 
quite a bit of um, energy given to that side of the ball as well. And so I, I've been both, I guess, surprised because I was just wrong, but incredibly impressed at how well this team has played defense. I think Cal said it was the best defensive team in the SEC. Yep. I mean, it's a Kentucky team that came in, what, best in the country as far as scoring offense, I think. Mm-hmm. And they 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 never looked comfortable. They had a lot of shots where it was either forced shots or they're having to just make difficult shots. And I, I thought that was that was the key for South Carolina. And the the refs let let both teams kind of play. And I, I think that factored in as well well they completely abandoned shooting the three ball in the second half they only attempted three went two of three from three but again south carolina forced them to play a brand of basketball they're not used to playing and they you know weren't able to be successful in that what did y'all think when kyle said they're the best defense in the sec like that caught my anytime a coach says that you're like, oh sure not just hey they're a great you know the sure, typical sure. boilerplate they're a great defensive team they're an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. Like coaches yeah. say that all the time. Those, those are can fall into the area of cliches. And again, statistically speaking, they are the best defense in the SEC. Yes. And, and I think last night, because again, you look back to the Alabama game a couple weeks ago. That yes, still technically the best defense in the SEC, but they got run out of the building in the second half of that game by a up tempo offense similar to what mm-hmm. Kentucky had. I think last night was kind of a prove it opportunity for South Carolina, and they went out there and proved it. They did. And looking now, this is as of. This morning, uh, NCAA's official stats website, South Carolina does indeed, in men's basketball, have the best defense in the SEC and top in top thirty nationally, and that's in terms of points per game. Right, they're, they're there. Uh, Auburn is right behind them, not right behind them, but they're you know thirty ninth in the country, second in the SEC as of right now after last night's games, and so. Yeah, I was kind. Of, I, I'm with you, Wes. Like I, I thought the same thing. I knew Lamont Paris had that background, like Wisconsin. You think of Wisconsin, you think okay, they're going to play defense, a little bit more of a slog, right? But then the way his teams, the way Lamont Paris's teams at Chattanooga played, I expected what we've ended up getting is kind of a mix of both those things, which is why you're seeing, you know, the results that you're seeing this year. And that's a fun brand of basketball to watch because yes, if you're just a primarily defensive team. Think about those Virginia teams of you know that have been going on for the past couple of years. Like, hey, final score is going to be forty three to forty. You're going to win, but it's not going to be the funnest brand of basketball. And certainly, it's it's fun to watch teams score you know ninety and hundred points. But if you don't have defense to back it up, it's going to come back to bite you at some point. South Carolina does a really good job of balancing both sides of things. Which again, if you want to talk about a team that can go deep into the NCAA tournament, that's the kind of qualities you like to see in a team. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you got to have some balance and. You got to have, I mean, th- this is such a team-oriented group of guys. I, I think that that shows in how they share the basketball, and uh, I think you have some guys that can take over on, on any given night. We saw it again with Talon last night. That I don't know if I've seen that uh, necessarily before, just that complete, hey, this is my game. And he he and all those guys, they were having a blast last night. Like they, That's why you, it's why you go to South Carolina. That's why you return to South Carolina if you are – a guy like Talon, and, um, you know, getting a chance to come back to your home state. And for, you know, for Michi, we, uh, I, I had him on a Garnet Trust interview, can completely confirm everything Alyssa just said. Like, what a phenomenal dude who's just about all the right things. And he was having the time of his life. That that one, um, <laughs> Kendall Walsh uh, tweeted that he shot it from the Russell house. Yep. Um, th- what an explana- exclamation point that was. 
right for South Carolina for him to hit that at the end. And I guys, I I just kept waiting. I was like, when is Kentucky going to make their run? And as opposed to Kentucky making a run, South Carolina just kept expanding the lead to the point that then, you know, you're kind of, at least when I'm watching a game, I'm watching score, clock, actual on-the-floor product, too, like kind of looking back and forth. Right. I was like, is this it, – it was once it got to about five minutes and then it ticked down to to four, I was like, this this game is over. Right. And and so that was it was kind of it was kind of fun sort of looking around seeing the realization among South Carolina fans like oh we're doing this sure and then the Kentucky fans leaving yeah going back to the Vista and so it it, it was certainly a special night but that was because of all the hard work of those guys and, and Lamont Paris um, the most cool calm collected dude oh. in the entire building I, I listened to his post game presser last night it sounded like he just rolled out of bed like. You wouldn't have known it from any other day of the week or any other game that he coached. They just took down a top 10 team. He's just so even keel, which again, I think that resonates well with the players. And look, he's not a guy that's going to get in your face and yell and scream at you till he's red or anything like that. You know, he, he kind of gives off the, the stern father type of approach as a coach. Like, hey, if you're not doing your job, well, hey, I expected more out of you. I'm disappointed you didn't do this. You know, let's see what we can do to fix that next, next time. And you're obviously seeing progress with all these guys. Um, what you mentioned there at the, at the you know, kind of the end of the game when the realization was starting to set in, and look, I've never been a part of a, a court storming or anything like that, but I feel like there's a, a certain charm to letting it marinate over a period of time as opposed to like, hey, you beat them on a buzzer beater and everybody just rushes out there in the heat of, heat of the moment. When you have that anticipation building, when you see the security crew come out with the little like yellow string that's not going to hold anybody back, like you get about five, six minutes of like real time, like, oh, we're going to do this and just waiting for those seconds to tick down. Michi knocks down that three right at the end of the game that just ends up sealing it all. Like it just had this natural like build before everybody got out there on the court. Yeah, so I I was sitting there, I was discussing with my buddies, like, all right, we're about to see a, a court storming. Then we were discussing, should you storm the court? Right. Should you even give Kentucky the pleasure of storming the court? Like, you just crushed them. And, but but then it was pretty apparent. Like, the students came out in literally record numbers. Oh, Chloe Kitts was leading the charge. So it's like, all right, you got 5,000-plus students here. Yep. And I, I was watching them, the ones that ended up in the upper deck, start to come down and we're standing in the mm-hmm. aisles. Yep. And I was like, okay, th- this is happening. And then then I, my mind was going to, all right, is the event staff making an actual effort to stop them or are they making an effort to just look like they've stopped them? And I, I think they very they, quickly were kind of like... They did enough to check the box on their protocols. Yes. Um, I don't know how many event staffs they have out there, but it's not going to be enough to hold back the hundreds Can't or thousands of people that are trying to get on the court. So you yeah. got to take your L's at some point. You know it's going to happen. And and just the the most wholesome moment ever. I, I thought this is what Aly- Alyssa was about to talk about, but um, Kits being down there, mm-hmm. and uh, it was such a just like almost there was an innocence where sure. her friends were going it looked like i i wasn't i wasn't down there obviously it looked right. like her friends and people around her were going go 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 yeah. and she went under the rope and then there's a brief moment where like, she looks uh-oh. back i wasn't supposed to do that she looks back like is everyone actually coming with me and then everybody just you know Oh, yeah. Pandemonium. Absolutely fantastic. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app, The Game TV. 
in pursuit of a win that would have national repercussions. That's where the Gamecocks are tonight, looking to get the attention of the media. Michi with the shot clock winding down says, why not? not? 35 feet away, and he buries it. That, my friends, is an exclamation point. <laughs> Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler West and Chris along with you. For a few more minutes, a uh, very excited Derek Scott on the call last night of the Gamecocks Radio Network as uh, that was the finishing touch. Michi Johnson with that three from 35 feet. Love the accuracy there uh, to uh, finally put that one away against Kentucky that kind of added to that energy that was already kind of palpitating those last couple of minutes where you knew South Carolina had the game in hand that eventually led to the court storming. Um, have you guys checked in on your boys from KSR? Because uh, I don't think they're doing too well. I, I perused some of their tweets last night and they... Uh, they, 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 you know, there, there's a reaction to losing, but they kind of had a different level of reaction, it seemed like. Visceral reaction. Yes. I, I have not seen much of that, but I can only imagine. I I, I would say, though, the, the, the earlier tweet about, like, oh, they're not there to see South Carolina. Like, are you serious right now? Like, this, this is a South Carolina team that um, is very much a better team South Carolina men's basketball team than we've seen in in quite some time here, and better than Kentucky last two years. And yep. so, <laughs> you know, the Gamecocks like the the fans like that that that's where you're going. Like you're taking a shot at the fans, basically, like saying, "Oh, they're they're just there to see the traveling Kentucky show." Like they're the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just yep. a. Now, engagement I mean, farming. Anytime, tweet, you, anytime you play a blue blood, there's certainly going to be a lot of interest in the game. But I don't think you know, outside of the people wearing blue, nobody was in there to just marvel at what Coach Calipari was bringing in. No, that was legitimate Gamecock crowd. And as Wes mentioned, you know, a lot of times you will have people that you know may sell their tickets to Big Blue Nation. You see a pretty heavy presence of blue, and it was pretty spotty last night. There was a little pocket here and there, but overwhelmingly a nice blackout for the Gamecocks. The least blue I've seen, honestly, and the quietest blue I've seen in, in that arena. So, I, I don't know. It was a special night, but the um, it, it is actually kind of funny. And the KSR guys, like, they do a fantastic job as as far as filling that void as like a, a true fan site where sure. they they have the pulse of their fan base, which you know we tried to to do on Gamecock Central as well. But it is always kind of funny watching a Kentucky loss be explained. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, there, there's a lot of coping to it. It's always like, how could this happen to us? <laughs> we don't lose. Got beat. We don't lose. It was pointed out. I feel, I feel like it was a little bit of a... It was pointed out that uh, Kentucky has scored 80-plus games. This is from Nick Roush at KSR. Kentucky has scored 80-plus games, 80-plus points. I can't talk either. In every game but two, lost to UNC Wilmington, Lost to South Carolina. So even then, it's kind of like you said, Wes. It's like, you know, UNC Wilmington did this too. You know, so there's some kind of, it's like a backhanded, like, not compliment. Yeah. Backhanded something. Yeah, they they, they just don't take to it too well. Now, to my knowledge, nobody got caught in the sprinklers this time. So there's that, at least. Very true. Might have walked by some of the people that have been in the fountain, though, and called called astray. They might have gotten splashed from that. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know. It, it's Kentucky fans are a special group, and I, I'll say this: like the 
message board genius type post. Oh, like yeah. I, I know they're going to be completely over the top. Oh, yeah, but sure. It, it was kind of interesting the number of Kentucky fans I saw basically changing their expectations for what their team is capable of based on what they saw last night. Like, basically going from, oh, I'm going to enjoy watching this team, but they are not a Final Four team, yeah. uh, that we can't yeah. play defense, and just completely changing <laughs> what they expect to happen. Guess we'll be turning down an invitation to the NIT this year. I mean, I'll say this. Like, don't don't let any of that take away from what South Carolina did. South Carolina won this game. Kentucky didn't lose the game. South Carolina took the fight to them. Kentucky in my opinion, was just not ready for that physicality and, and acted like they didn't want to deal with it, and uh, that's a credit to South Carolina. Yeah, I saw uh, Justin Rowland, who runs Cats Illustrated, the Kentucky side on the Rivals Network. During the game, I was following along with what some of what he said. He's followed that program forever, and he said, hey, South Carolina's just making Kentucky just work much harder for everything. He actually gave South Carolina's defense you know, the lion's share of the credit because they absolutely did. Absolutely. More reactions to this as the day rolls along. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming up next. Also, don't forget tomorrow night, Co- uh, Coach Paris can be on Carolina Calls at 6 o'clock. You'll hear his reaction to what happened last night. And then women's basketball tomorrow night at 7.30. Pretty big game for them as they take on LSU on the road. Tip-off at 8 o'clock right here on the game. This has been the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.